0: How's everybody feeling today? Everybody doing alright? Did everybody have a good New Year's? Everybody's nodding their head. Everybody still in a food coma from the holidays? (laughs) Still eating leftovers? Everybody got New Year's resolutions to lose weight after being in a food coma for the holidays? (laughs) Or get in shape or whatever? How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you make New Year's resolutions. Is there anybody in here that does that? A couple of you. How many of you have ever tried making New Year's resolutions? How many of you would be making a New Year's resolution, but you know you still are working on keeping last year's resolution, or the resolution you made ten years ago, so finally New Year's rolls around and you just say to hell with it and you give up? Okay. Well, hopefully my message will be relevant to the two of you that raised your hand. Because I, I want to talk about it, um, and I want to I hit on some things that I talked about last week as well. Now, those of you that are, have never been a part of the uh, Christian charismatic movement, or the Christian prophetic movement, or the Christian mystical movement, um, I apologize for the first 15 minutes of my message, because I'm still very... Uh, I wouldn't say very. Let, let, let me choose my words more carefully. I'm not part of that at all. I don't even identify with any of that anymore. Um, but I have enough friends. I spent enough of my time and my life in that that I have enough friends that are still part of that. And so I see all this stuff that goes on with these leaders. And have you ever like been a part of something or been involved in something or even believed something? And the more distance you got from it, the more you look back on it and think, what the hell was I thinking? Anybody been there besides me? Make me feel better, please. Raise your hand like really high so I don't feel quite so foolish. I I look at this stuff and I think, what the hell was I thinking when I was part of that mess? Because it's so unreal and phony and false. And, and, And it's crazy because the people that are in it try to convince themselves... That it's real, and it's it's just like this rapture bunch that keeps waiting for the rapture to happen, or or the tribulation, or the antichrist, or all that stuff, because they keep making predictions over and over and over again, and it never happens. And at what point do you wake up and say, hello, you know? And so I'm watching these guys. So so two things I just got to get off my chest. I don't know why, uh, I'm, but I'm gonna anyway. How, how many of you remember Todd? Todd Bentley from the Lakeland Revival, if you were around for that, 2008. So, so I'm, you know, perfectly happy minding my own business. Haven't thought about that guy in a long time. And there's all this hullabaloo on Facebook about Todd Bentley, who literally right now has like 15 people. He admitted himself he's got like 15 people in his church. So like there, but he's getting all this attention because I don't know what he did. I don't really care what he did. But there's this whole... They literally called themselves a tribunal. So this self-appointed group, Michael Brown um, from the Pensacola revival and some other people, set up this self-appointed tribunal and they put out... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so funny. They put out this message that says, We have decided... That Todd Bentley is not fit for ministry. And, and then, and then they go through and they say, we realize, this is what's so funny about it, I'm just reading the statement. They say, we realize that we have no authority, (laughs) right? We realize we have no authority legally or in Todd's life, but we just want all y'all to know that we think he shouldn't be in ministry. And they literally called it a tribunal. And they really acted like they did this noble big thing. And I just thought, where do these people come from? They don't think you can think for yourself. I mean, think about this. This guy literally, literally has 15 people coming. And it's all over Facebook. We just need to say, Even though we have no legal authority, even though we have no authority in his life, but we are so important that we need to tell you because you're so stupid. I mean, who are they trying to reach? The 15 people going to his church? Yeah, but why? Who cares? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know what they're thinking, you know, like, but it's so egotistical and prideful and self-righteous and. Oh my God, it just makes me so glad I'm out of that mess. Like, why can't we just mind our own business and let people live their lives and who cares? Like, what's wrong with that philosophy? So, But that kind of goes to the first point that I want to hit. Because we have this idea that there's all these rules that we have to keep and follow and... And it's so oppressive. So that's number one. And then number two, you have all the like 2020. And I knew it. 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 I I, I thought to myself, how many quote unquote prophets are going to come out with 2020 visions? Like it's so corny. (laughs) Like I got a word for the new year and God says he's going to bring 2020 vision to the church. And discernment is going to increase. Like, God's sitting there saying, yeah, it's 2020, it's time for me to go, well, yeah. What can, what can I relate to 2020? Oh, vision. Oh, I better do this. Like, it's so stupid. Right? So, and I, it, <laughs> so, how many of you, you, you can relate to some of this? Like, like, every year, the new year, you know, it's Jesus is coming, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, the rapture's coming, This is what God's doing or God's saying, like God can't, I said this last week, but like God can't multitask. Like, you know, they say, well, it's a year of abundance. Well, what if you need health and healing or... (laughs) What if you need to be stripped bare of everything for some lesson that you need to learn? Oh, but it's God's year of abundance, so I guess you'll get your lesson next year or something. And that's the other thing. Nobody ever comes out... They either come out with the, like these doom and gloom, fantastical Bible prophecy scenarios, or they come out with this like magical, wishful thinking that just because the year changed, now God is going to do something. God is going to do something in your life that He wasn't doing before because the year changed. Like, Seriously? Am I talking to the wrong people? Like, I'm just trying to help you. If you haven't totally unplugged, or if you're watching, and you just haven't totally unplugged from that matrix, I'm going to tell you, those people are crazy. (laughs) I know, firsthand. All right, anyway. So I had to get that off my chest. So here's the point I want to make. I think it is a good time of year to think about making change. I think that there is something to sort of a group momentum in consciousness. I think there is something to rhythms and cycles. Now, ancient cultures set up their New Year's typically around the harvest. Take Israel, for example. So their New Year's would happen in October because they had brought in the full harvest. And there would be a shift. They would have, the end of the year would be the end of the harvest, the Feast of Tabernacles, and they would begin to look forward. They would have the Feast Day of Atonement. What was the Feast Day of Atonement? It was when the high priest went in and uh, made atonement for the sins of the past year of Israel. So they were able to put away their past, get a fresh start like I talked about last week. So the Day of Atonement on their New Year's gave them a fresh start and then they would look for God's blessing to come upon them in the year that was to come. And there was there was group momentum to it. You see what I'm saying? How many of you know that making change can be hard? (laughs) Right? It can be a lot of work, right? So sometimes it's good to get any momentum or help that you can get. And so if even in the subconscious... Because all this stuff, I mean, you you do understand, I know, I know you understand, that nothing changed just because the date changed. Like somebody just decided we're going to change the date of the year on January 1st. Right? But if you were born, I was born August 30th, so for me, really, the new year is my birthday. If you want to be really technical about it. I mean, I could really mess with those, you know, people that have to keep the Sabbath, and I could say, well, the Sabbath for me is (laughs) the seventh day, you know, depends on when you're born. If you want to just be individual about it. Do you see what I'm saying? So subconsciously then, however, as a group, we are programmed, and this isn't a bad thing, I'm not using that, don't get triggered by that word, I'm not using it in a bad way. We are programmed to think about, out with the old, out with 2019, in with the new 2020. And we're programmed, right, with the whole New Year's resolution thing. It's a time to make change. It's a time to, what are you going to do this, this year? How's this year going to be different? Or if you had a really bad year, people are like, oh my God, I'm so glad to put 2019 in the ground. God, I hope 2020 is better, right? <clears throat> it, is a, it is a marker that we give to ourselves that denotes change that is absolutely collective. Think about it. Even if you're not thinking about changing yourself, it is a marker that denotes change, that denotes transition from one state to another state that everybody agrees upon. And there's tremendous power in that group consensus that I believe individuals can use as a launch pad to try and bring forth some change in their life. So if you haven't thought about what you want to change for the new year, I want to invite you to take advantage of that <laughs> and to begin to think about it. Now, when it comes to change, I want to <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's gonna confuse you a little bit. I want to help us get out of magical thinking by talking about magic. I want to help us get out of magical thinking by talking about magic. What is magical thinking? Magical thinking is sort of a a therapy term, sort of a counseling term that you use. Typically, it, it really became a buzzword when the whole codependency, remember when codependency was the big thing and they were writing all those books, boundaries and codependent no more and all that stuff and everybody's codependent. And so... The term codependency actually comes from addiction. So now anybody can be codependent if their relationship's dysfunctional, right? But originally, the, there had to be one person in the relationship who was dependent upon a substance. And so when that person was dependent upon a substance, and to be dependent upon a substance means that your entire world revolves around getting that need met, which means that your relationships then begin to revolve around it too. So if you have an enabler then the enabler is revolving around the substance even though they're not using it because of the dysfunction of the relationship. Therefore, they are codependent. And one of the characteristics of codependency or of the codependent is what they called magical thinking. And magical thinking was this, that, oh, he's going to change. He's going to see the light. If I just keep giving if I just keep enabling if I'm nice enough if I'm giving enough it it, it, it is it, it you see it when the reality is no actually you're as much a part of the problem <laughs> yeah and it's the magical thinking do you, do you see it? So magical thinking is this idea that things are just going to change, things are just going to work out, whatever will be, will be, as though somehow, mystically, magically, things are going to just change without you changing something in yourself without you taking real action, without you confronting something. Yeah. In other words, you could look at it this way. The opposite of magical thinking would be, in the way that I'm using this term, the opposite of magical thinking would be, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And it's very easy as Christians, or believers, or metaphysical people or New Agers or however you define yourself, define science, however you define yourself, it's very easy to get caught up in this sort of magical thinking that says, well, if it be God's will, or we get in this deterministic thinking, well, God's got got the agenda set. That's the problem with all those New Year prophecies. This is God's agenda. For 2020. And and everybody's got a different agenda. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have this idea that we just, we really, really, really do give up all our power and put ourselves completely at effect, play powerless, and, and that's really the root of all that codependency anyway. You feel powerless, so you're just hoping magically... Things will get better. Magically, things will change, and you won't have to do the work or face the truth to change yourself. So you live in an unreality. And the longer you live in the unreality, actually, the harder it is for you to make change, and really, the more you perpetuate your own bondage and your own pain. That's why Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free right? Right? So if it's a lie, it holds you in bondage. If it's truth, it sets you free. But truth, now watch this, isn't always absolute. I mean, sure, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. But it's winter here. And it's 107 degrees and everything's catching on fire in Australia. Same date. Who's, so, so if you have somebody from, that lives, you know, south of the equator, somebody that lives where we live and we say it's winter and they say it's summer, no it's winter. No it's summer. Can't be summer because it's winter. You're wrong. It's not winter, it's summer. Well it's snowing here, well it's hot here. Who's right? They're both telling the truth. So truth can be relative to one's perspective or position. Therefore, there is validity to someone speaking their truth. And that's part of the problem where people get messed up, is we think there are just these absolute standards that we have to measure up to, that we have to live up to, or that everybody else has to live up to. But nobody has, I mean, it's just the truth, gang. Nobody has the same values or the same standards. Nobody does. So where does, so we get ourselves bound up because we either get into magical thinking and think things are just going to change independently of us doing anything, or we think we're limited by what we can change because somebody outside of us is setting the agenda for us. So anytime you really ask yourself, is this the right thing, more often than not, you're allowing someone else to set the agenda. The moment you allow someone else to set the agenda, you've moved outside of yourself. Therefore, you have subtly disconnected from what you need as a resource to actually bring change into your life, which is you. Think about it this way: If you can think about it this way, whatever change, whatever whatever is going to be born into your life, you are going to carry and give birth to. Right? Which means you have to connect with what's in you. Paul calls it Christ in you, the hope of glory. The save Christ means savior or Messiah. The savior in you. The deliverer in you, not outside of you, not other than you. So the moment I say, is this the right thing, is the moment I'm looking outside myself. A better way to frame it would be to say, is this going to be right for me? Is this going to be right for me? Does that make sense? So what happens then, what happens if you let go of magical thinking and realize if it's going to be, it's up to me. Just step into these frames with me. If you let go of thinking, well, God's just going to come through for me. God's just going to do it. God's just going to come through. The angels are just going to come through. You just let go of that for a bit. All right? And you let go of this idea that someone else has to set the agenda for you. When it comes to whatever it is that you want to change. Let go of those two frames. (laughs) And maybe you say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I can set the agenda. What's the feeling when you say that to yourself? If it's going to be, it's up to me. (laughs) Some of you, that might be very scary for you. And I'll balance it in a minute. I'm not saying you're without support. I'm just saying you have to be part of the process. And if you choose not to be part of the process, there is no help that's going to come from the outside that's going to rescue you. That's scary, but it can also be empowering. And then number two you can set the agenda. Now this sounds completely contrary to everything you've ever been taught as a Christian if you were raised as a Christian. Completely contrary. Sounds like selfishness, sounds like self-centeredness, sounds like humanism, sounds like whatever. Right? But watch what can happen. Watch what can happen when you do this. So it's, it's really interesting to me that people who have leaders in the church want to cultivate immaturity in the people that they lead. By telling them that they're sheep and they need a pastor or a shepherd. Like who the hell am I to tell you that you're a sheep and you need me to help you? Protect you, guard you, watch over you, keep you safe, lead you, feed you. Bullshit. <laughs> you are not a sheep. Then you got this whole fathering thing. Anybody remember that or heard about that? Oh, yeah. Like I, I just had this week somebody, well, anyway. Um, I don't say too much. But like if you're in your 30s and you're still looking for a father, find a therapist. I'm just saying, all these guys, like, so-and-so. I mean, I I, I will never forget, I went to a a thing a few years ago, and I'm talking to this guy, white hair, right? Grandpa. He's a grandpa. A pastor. And he tells me, so-and-so is my spiritual father. And I'm like, blink, blink, blink. (laughs) Like, I'm just serious. Like, I'm not saying our dads aren't important, but dang, your relationship with your dad should change when you move out. It's a system of control, and Jesus actually overturned it. It was actually a rabbinical system of control, and this is how twisted and perverted and sick we get with the Scriptures and our need to control other people and possess other people. Because Jesus said, don't call anyone on earth father, and don't call anyone on earth rabbi. You have one father who is in heaven. You have one teacher who is the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus actually said. Because they had taken the Elijah-Elisha model and used it in their rabbinical teaching. And if you had a rabbi, he became your spiritual father. And Jesus Jesus absolutely overturns and does away with spiritual fathering. And we have the need to reset it up because it helps us control people. But it perpetuates people's immaturity. Right? Here's what I mean by that. If you have to ask God, or you have to have God tell you, or you have to have God set the agenda for you, you are a baby. Babies need that. My kids still need me to set the agenda for them. I have to set the agenda for Josiah to get his homework done. Or he won't do his homework. I have to set the agenda for him to take care of his pets, because he'll only play with them when they're fun and doesn't want to do all the dirty work that comes along with taking care of pets. Right? I have to set those agendas. But my God, if at 23, 24, 25, I still have to go into his house and set the agenda? I have failed miserably. So the truth is, what if the truth is that you have a divine spark, you have a divine nature, you have a sovereignty as a God? Listen. What does it mean to be a son? Like, like, and this is how it gets so perverted. This is where I was going because we have this whole message of sonship, you know, being sons and daughters of God, and then we use it to control people and perpetuate their immaturity by by trying to dig up all their daddy wounds so they can go be with daddy, God, or whatever, or telling them that they ha- that they have to give up their independence when God is trying to cultivate your independence. Sure, it works. It works initially when people, you know, give up their independence or whatever, just like it's working with my kids right now. But you're not supposed to stay there. You see it? So when you understand that... You have the power and the ability to change things about yourself and to change things in the world and to change things in your life. That's what real magic is. Real magic is using your will, your desire, and your belief to bring about change in yourself, in the world, and in circumstances, period. But then in the process of that, you have to set the agenda. For yourself. So here's what happens. If we quit depending on resources outside of ourselves, so let's just take, let's, what if, what if the Bible, whole Bible prophecy thing is complete baloney? What if we have this idea that God is going to just bring about an end? What if that's not true? Like for example, what if it's not true that God won't let humanity completely destroy the earth? What if that's not true? What if God says, I'm giving you the stewardship over the earth, and it's your job to renew it? I think I read that somewhere. It's your job to replenish it. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. And so this irresponsible attitude of what happens if that's not true? What if the, the earth will be destroyed or the earth will be preserved depending on what we decide to do as a race with the planet that we've been given? What if that's true? What if you could have a different life that is bringing you more joy and peace and freedom, but God isn't going to drop it into your lap? So it's potentially... What if there are millions of potentials for your life and God doesn't give one lily-billy damn which one you choose? What if that's the truth? How does that change things? It changes things a lot because, number one, it causes you to become more responsible. It causes you to become more responsible. It causes you to move out of this victim mentality because you have no one else to blame. You have nobody to blame if you aren't making changes in your own life. You have nobody to scapegoat. You have nobody to shift the blame to because every time you blame, you give up your power. Every time you shift responsibility, you're saying, I, someone else is greater than me. Someone else is more powerful than me. Someone else can stop me. And that's where all this fighting comes from. You can totally chill out and relax if you realize you can create any change in yourself and any change in your life, and it's not dependent upon anybody else but you and God and the angels and the support that you have from heaven. You understand what I'm saying? So that's where I said I'm going to balance it. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't access. I'm saying there is an abundance of supernatural beings and light and power and and, and love and support that's coming from heaven that's available for you, and God isn't going to say, oh, no, 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 that's not my perfect will. Oh, I didn't decide that for you. Oh, that's wrong for you to do. Oh, I'm not going to support that. Oh, I'm not going to help you with that. No, that's not true. God's going to sit on the sidelines and let your life go to hell if that's what you choose. And support your right and decision to do that. If you haven't figured that out, you haven't lived very many years, (laughs) or you haven't been paying attention. You see it? It's so empowering. Maybe the belief, maybe just a New Year's resolution maybe would be, I'm going to begin to believe in my own power to make change. That's that's not a big deal. That's not, I'm going to lose 50 pounds or pay off all my debt or, you know, some impossible goal and then depend on magical thinking and then get frustrated when it doesn't happen. Just say, hey, I'm, am I sounding cynical today? I'm sorry if I am. Okay. so <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. You see it? So you decide, okay, I've got the power, I've got the ability. My will, desire, and belief can change anything about myself. What do I want? See, now comes the point of setting the agenda. And this is really big. Because we're so afraid to give the pe- people the freedom to do what they want. We think God is so afraid to give you the freedom to do what you want, to choose what you will. That is is what free will is about. Absolutely. See, people that didn't grow up in this mess, they're like, "Eh, that's crazy thinking. (laughs) I'm talking about the Christian programming. Here's the thing about, you've got to really, really, really decide. For yourself, what do I want? What do I really want? Give you this illustration. Man's walking by the seashore. Kicks over and he's walking in that space where the water's hitting the shore, so it's the in-between space where it's ocean and beach land and water. And he stumbles across this metal object, and he digs up this metal object, and of course it's a genie's lamp, right? So he's rubbing the genie's lamp, and the genie pops out and says, thank God I'm out of there. Thank you for getting me out of the lamp. I'm obligated as a genie to give you three wishes. What are your three wishes, and could you make it quick? I have a wife in Baghdad that I want to get home to see. So if we could just take care of this now, that would be great. And you think, well, that'd be easy to come up with my three wishes, right? I wish for lung life. But I forgot to ask for health to go with it. I wish for a long, healthy life. But then, do I feel guilty because I didn't wish that for my children? Or for my son's best friend who has cancer? (laughs) I wish for a lot of money. Now remember, this dude's been in a lamp. For at least a thousand years. And what was a lot of money back then. May not be a lot of money now. I wish for a million dollars. Here's your million dollars. Two days later you get hit by a car. Crossing the street. Here's a good wish. Here's a well thought out wish. To the genie. The woman says. I wish that you would fall madly in love with me. Stick around with me and do everything I say. <laughs> now that's a well thought out wish. I'm gonna say it again. So, so here's part of the growth process. See, you gotta start somewhere. And we're so afraid to let people Live life the way they choose. And we think God doesn't want, and yet the reality is you cannot grow until you can do what thou wilt. But here's the thing, you have to find out what your highest and most authentic self really wants. And you will not find that out without some trial and error and the lessons that come along the way. That's why The father let the prodigal son not only let him go and waste his, you know, in a far country, he financed his way into it. He gave him what he wanted so that he could have everything he thought he wanted so that he could shed the illusions of his lower desires and come to himself and awaken to his higher self and elevate his relationship with his father, while the son who stayed home and just did everything he was told had no independence, was angry and frustrated, and had no revelation of who he was, who his brother was, or who his father was, because his own immaturity was perpetuated by a system that he allowed himself to participate in. Sometimes you don't get rid of desire. Most times you don't get rid of desire by saying, I'm not going to desire that. (laughs) I'm going to kill, and I'm finishing here. I'm going long, sorry. I'm going to kill that desire off. Oh, I'm going to crucify that desire. (laughs) I'm going to give that desire to God. I'm going to bring that desire to the altar. Oh, I shouldn't want that. Does that really, I mean, how, is that really successful? But how many of you have ever wanted something, gone out and got it, and thought, that wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be? That wasn't as big a deal as I thought. Which one set you free from desire? Trying to deny it or having it fulfilled? So real freedom or real detachment happens more often for us through Fulfillment and less often for us through denial. So you find your way to the higher will and the higher self by experimenting and exploring, tasting and seeing, and you get free from desire more often than not through fulfillment, not through denial. So here's the point. Let go of your magical thinking, thinking... Somehow, some way, something's just going to happen that might be good. Maybe. We hope and pray. Maybe that person's just going to change. Maybe I'm just going to change. Maybe because it's a new year. Maybe because I have a better job. See what I'm saying? Instead, believe that through your own desire, will, and belief, you can produce change within yourself and within your world. And then, give yourself the freedom to set the agenda. And start exploring and playing and experimenting and enjoying and tasting and seeing. Finding out, I I really do like this, I really don't like that. This was good, that wasn't so good. And just see how maybe, just maybe, life will take on a different flavor. (laughs) And you can find yourself in a different place. And lastly, to close up, take advantage of this time. Take advantage of the momentum of the group consensus to evaluate some things and say, here's some things I need to let go of. Here's some things I want to change. It doesn't have to be big. Don't don't start with Mount Everest in your life. Start with something simple. Change a belief. Change an attitude. Change a perception. Whatever. If you want to do something big, go for it. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm just saying if you're doing nothing... You're doing nothing. (laughs) Right? So find something that you can change about yourself, change about your life. Don't worry about whether it's right or wrong. Don't let someone else set the agenda. Ask, is it right for you? Ask, is it consistent with your truth? And give yourself the freedom to do it. And realize there's not this big ogre in the sky that's going to judge you for this stuff. This is why you're here sure you're going to make mistakes, but that's so you learn and develop and grow not so it's it, life is not a test God isn't up in the sky testing you trying to get so are you going to pass it or not God's not the great legislator in the sky let's see what new law we can pass oh broke the law that's a western view of God because you're western government that's all that is and people leverage that to control you. But you're here to grow and develop and become your truest, most divine self, most authentic self. That's the goal of life, to manifest your most authentic self. And you do that through this process. It's one of the ways. God bless you. Namaste. Have a great day.